Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. It's Mark Potash Potsy coming up on Hallis Intrigue. We will talk about a piece of good news in Bears land and some bad news in the medical tent. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Potsy at noon on Wednesday, it became official. Steve McMichael is probably the next Bears player to go to the Hall of Fame. He was part of the senior committee group that got whittled down from 12 to 3. And those three will be voted on before the Super Bowl. It is almost a slam dunk that all three will be passed through. That's typically what happens in this case. Is he deserving or not? I think in the context of the Hall of Fame uh, now, I think he is deserving. Um, Really happy. It's a little bittersweet because of Mongo's personal health situation. It's very... No matter whether he's in the Hall of Fame or not, that's a really distressing thing for I think any Bear fan, anyone who knows uh, Mongo. Um, so that's tough. But uh, and also I don't. I, I'm, I think it's it's important. It's important for the family. Mongo, I think is say you know, I don't think it's. I, I think he's pretty confident in what he did in the NFL. I think yeah. overall, I don't think he needed that validation of, of the of the Hall of Fame. It's great. I'm not downplaying it, but um, and, and it is great that that he's able to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'll be honest. I think one of the, I think part of the greatness of Mongo and what he meant to the Bears is that he doesn't need a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need that. I, I feel you know his his legacy to me is just that. Um, you know, like I said, he's a heart and soul guy on a team of heart and soul guys, mm-hmm. uh, and that speaks well for a guy who was not like all the other heart and soul guys, first and second round draft picks, top ten picks like Peyton, McMahon, and and Hampton. He was just cut by the Patriots and signed by the Bears two months later. He's just everything you want in a Bear. And again, I say that's not because of his physical condition, his health situation. I think everyone's always felt that. He was always, uh, like I said, the heart and soul of that team. but they had so many characters that you didn't. It didn't. Wasn't so evident. But yeah. So overall, yeah. My my feeling is uh, deserving, um, uh, especially in the context of the of the NFL, uh, of the Hall of Fame, and um, and uh, yeah. Just you know, just happy for the family and happy for Mongo. And I went and looked up your list of the top 100 Bears of all time. You did that in 2019. Mongo, I think, was 17th or 18th, somewhere 17th, and the 16 above him were all Hall of Famers. So, there you go. So, I mean, there you go. That's I, what was, uh, as somebody who lived through it in a way that I didn't, what I, I think people my age might know Mongo, the wrestler, Mongo, the big, big mouth pregame show host, Mongo, the personality. As a football player, though, I, I think people forget he's second all time in, uh, in sacks by a bear, third all time in tackles. What was it? Strictly an interior guy, too. That's something I think you could appreciate in today's game. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He benefited by playing with some great players. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's hard to say. The you know the uh, Mongo as a player was uh, just relentless and dependable. Mm-hmm. I think those are probably the two things that I remember most about him is that he always played in an era where not everybody holds up. He had to give it all. You know, that's one of the things why so many injuries, guys are always giving their all. He gave it his all and all was, was always there. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And, you know, no matter what he was doing, whether he was wrestling or playing football or on the practice, he backed up everything. <laughs> that was the thing about Mago. You know, he talked a big game, and, and he backed it up, and he told it like it is. And I think that's why it's just one of many reasons why he was a great bear, just for him to stand out. Like, you know, here this is not revisionist history. Mago stood out as one of the great bears, even in 1985, mm -hmm. when he was just in the middle of a, one of the great – a team of absolute personalities and that's you know so it's not like all of a sudden now you're coming to this appreciation of him I think he was appreciated for just being just a great just what everybody wants to sh it's a cliche but every what everybody wants a Chicago Bear to be about mm -hmm. uh, he was you know uh, he, he was it as a player and um, yeah it's just a shame uh, the, to see his demise like this it's, you know, 65 is is uh, very young and uh, for anybody right. and uh but it just makes you cherish all the good things that uh, he represented uh, with the bears he has als uh, obviously uh he is bedridden he can't talk anymore he can communicate uh, using some software in which he moves his eyes uh, i went down on tuesday night to see his wife misty uh who uh, ostensibly was at a party uh to celebrate mongo but could not say exactly whether or not he'd gotten in. Uh, we know now she got the phone call uh, in the afternoon, but suffice it to say, uh, she, she was having herself a good time. Um, at one point she FaceTimed with Mongo, who was still at home. He's still fighting pneumonia, actually, uh, at their house. And she walked around with the phone holding it out just so he can see the reception uh, for him and the love people had for him. That was very cool. Uh, and as you noted, uh, I think you noted, uh, everything about Mago was a party. Yeah. No, from here on out, from here on out, everything about Mago will be a party, and that's yeah. the way he wants it. You know, you know, everyone knows him. That's what, yes. That's the way he wants it. Yes. Um, uh, four members of the 85 Bears defense now in the Hall of Fame, correct? Richard Dent, uh, Dan Hampton, Mike Singletary. And Peyton. Oh, uh, defense. Oh, well, the defense, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Four, is that, I, I know within the Cook County uh, limits, uh, you will get no argument that it's the greatest defense of all time. Does adding an extra Hall of Famer to the pile there change anything in your mind or, or reinforce anything in your mind? No, I think they're good enough that everybody wants to think they were the best defense. It's so hard to quantify that. Sure. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for uh, for the Steelers' defense. I grew up with those defenses watching the, the NFL uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to argue against that. The, 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 the Ravens with uh, Ray Lewis and yep. that group, uh, uh, they have equal claim to it. I'm trying to think who else is. Uh, is in I'll tell you a story. Do you remember the Super Bowl we went to in San Francisco where it was the Panthers and the Broncos? I do remember that. And it was a very ugly offensive game. And uh, when the Broncos won, a couple of their defensive players were talking about how they were the best ever. And I got home the next day and I called Mongo. Mongo was essentially, <laughs> yeah. Mongo took that about the way you would expect Mongo to take it, which is to say, uh, you better go to the library and do some research. Yeah, and, right, and, right. Uh, and I, I think he understood, I think he was happy for the Broncos. I think he was happy to see a dominant defense, but he was uh, not having it if you tried to say that yeah. you were better all, than all the other All the great defenses had a personality, but the, for, the sheer force of the personality of that Bears defense kind of at least puts them over the top. They win that game. They win the debate because they, right. they've got just a, uh, the type of team that can make a great debate. So, uh, like I said, I think they're all, all, all worthy. I don't think you can say one of all those groups better. But the Bears have certainly earned the right uh, – to, to uh, stake a claim to that. That's the best defense ever. They, you know, they, they were phenomenal. I think they got better at the end. That yeah. was, they were stronger at the end than at the beginning. I think they gave up. I remember talking to Mongo. I 
think they had me on a pregame show or something. I was just reminding them that uh, that defense gave up 28 points in the first half against the Buccaneers uh, in, in in 85, but but they ended up with I think like uh, almost almost three shutouts in the in the yeah. playoffs. I was gonna say, so. did they give up 15 points in the playoffs total? Probably not. Well, let's see, 10, right? Yep. Uh, and then two shutouts, so 10. 10. Uh, yeah. with, I, I know Bears fans can be frustrated with the Hall of Fame. I, I think some people have had questions about uh, why Devin Hester isn't in already. But I, I think it's – and you, you made reference to this earlier. I think suffice it to say that Hall of Fame voting and kind of who they let in and who they don't let in is just kind of goofy. And I think it's, I think it's such an eye of the beholder thing that it's hard to – I think it's hard to give it a good reason when when fans say why is my favorite player not in. Um, it's hard to give a, a an answer other than the voter the forty nine voters uh, this you know the forty nine voters in the main committee not the senior committee, but you know they have they have personal tastes just like the rest of us. Well, I my I have, I have an issue with all hall, halls of fame and you know hall of fame is like a triangle or like a bell in that it gets wider and wider and the more people who get in and the lower end of that opens the door for so many more i mean there was you know there were very few players who were better than walter payton who can claim to be better than walter payton but frankly there's a whole lot of players who can claim they were as good as mongo and so this is going to open right. the door for other players and that's and that's the way every that's my issue with the hall of fame in baseball and uh, in any right. sport especially baseball it Carol- just needs it needs to be a lot more exclusive and uh, my Hall of Fame, my Hall of Fame, not personal preference, my Hall of Fame would be a lot more exclusive in, in all sports. Uh, and the Baseball I, Hall is the most exclusive of the group by a wide margin, I think. Right. Yes. Right. But because, but, you know, there's, a, I always say, my, my definition of a Hall of Famer, and this is probably more of a baseball thing, but maybe also yeah. a football thing, is they have to have been a Hall of Famer or look like a Hall of Famer while I was watching them play. Okay. In other words, accumulating... Uh, statistics over a long period of time doesn't it doesn't if you were just very good mm-hmm. for a long time that doesn't make in my opinion it doesn't make you a hall of fame. I will I will present a conundrum to you, Potsy, which is the intersection of the point you just made, but also what I know about you, which is uh, you love Chicago. Right. The perfect example you are thinking of right now is Harold Baines. Harold Baines. Yeah. Harold is, Baines should not be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. There we go. That's what I was because thinking. Because it wasn't like when I watched him. I was watching. A, I was watching a very good baseball player. Yeah. God bless him. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a good example. And, and now yeah. every single time anybody's favorite player is up for the Hall of Fame, they sit there and go like, "Well, Harold Baines is in. Right. Why isn't right. my guy in?" And that's that not, opens the door. That's yes. the problem. You know, right. if you look, you know, at the beginning, the very first class in baseball Hall of Fame. Not to get off track here. Sure. But was. Uh, was 50 years. It right. was the best players are from like, well, no, I'm sorry, basically 35 years. It was okay. around 1935, 36. Okay. And then ev- then they did it every other year. Right. And then now they do it every year. Right. If you would pick the Hall of Fame every five years, it right. would be a lot more exclusive than it is. Right. When you have it every year, it just opens the door because you have so many more players. If you would give it more time, I, and I would love to re- recast the Hall of Fame, just doing it in, that, in a five-year increments, and you'd see it would not be nearly as inclusive. But, uh, but you can't uh, fill hot- you can't fill as many hotel rooms or uh, or uh, or uh, yeah, I don't know golf courses. Went, yeah. or, it, I get that. I know. I don't know how they went from every other year in the '40s. I think it was to uh, every year. I'll have to look that up and see. But that's where they went. I mean, you know, for the first look at the first baseball class ever. It's yeah. no doubt about it. Right, you know, sure. No doubt about it. And then all of a sudden you start getting, you know, I always say Robert Miranda was the guy who opened the door for the Hall of Fame. Wow, wow, look at once, that pull. Once Jeez. you get that, once once he made it, then all of a sudden 
and every you know Bill Mazeroski, every player was right. you know every player who was a very good or a good fielder or whatever uh, was in, and it wasn't nearly as exclusive. And that was probably. Uh, early 50s, late late 40s, I guess. I, I think Mongo, when you look at the other 11 people in, uh, that were semifinalists, Mongo is no less deserving than any of them. Well, that's I, the point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, don't yeah. Pro, I don't pretend to be a historian in that I could be, nor do I want to be granular enough to sit there and say these three are absolutely more deserving than the, than the other nine. But I know that anybody who watched Mongo here especially – can I mean, you know, uh, you have to be thrilled for him, and and this will be really cool. We'll see. You know, one of the dark, sad things about all this is that Mongo's wife Misty, you know, tore up his "Do Not Resuscitate" because she wanted him to live to see this day. Right. And you just sit there and go, "Now what? Can he make it to August?" Yeah. Um, Jared Payton's going to induct him, I believe. Uh, that'll be worth the price of admission. Um, we'll but, be there. Yeah, we will. Um, real quick, Potsy, before we go. Uh, very long line at the uh, in the injury tent here with the Chicago Bears. Cole Komet got hurt in practice today. We're limited in what we can say in a closed practice, but uh, suffice it to say he walked. Was Cole Komet. Cole Komet's a tight end for the. Yeah, it was Cole Komet. It was number eighty-five. Uh, he walked. Uh, uh, he was down. He got up. He he, wa- he eventually walked over to a cart and was driven across a very 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 hot um, Hallis Hall campus back uh, toward the injury room. Uh, that obviously would be bad news for them. But just not wanting to speculate too much. Writ large, they are, boy, you could make a really, uh, if you made a team of their injured players, that team would beat last year's Bears, I think. You could make a pretty good all-star team, maybe not all-star, a pretty good starting lineup out of these guys, whether it is um, Darnell Wright, the first-round pick who just got hurt, uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you've got... uh, 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 Yannick Ngakwe, Brisker, Brisker Eddie, Jackson. Eddie Jackson, Demarcus Walker. Uh, you know, all you have is the Bears' two edge rushers, their middle linebacker, both their safeties, yeah. uh, a I tight did. end, a bunch of receivers, including Chase Claypool, Valus Jones. Uh, is it is it time to freak out? We got two and a half weeks before the season. No, starts. I think this is a time where you cannot, you do, you do not have to freak out. Probably shouldn't. I really think this is always tough because they're always going to downplay injuries. And the team is, and sometimes, and, and sometimes it, it's not, you know, it's worse than, than it looks. But I'm convinced, based on what I've seen, that the majority of these injuries, the key ones, I think, I think Eddie Jackson will be there in week one. I think Brisker will be there. Uh, Tremaine uh, Edmonds, we saw, we talked to him today. I think he will be he there. He said he'd be there. I think Walker and Ngakwe will, will both be there. Uh, I look at, you know, my definition of long-term, you know, when we talked to uh, Matt Eberflus, he said he would only talk about injuries that are long-term. And to me, long-term is, are you available, will you be available for week one? And the ones that right now uh, I'm most concerned about are Tevin Jenkins. Obviously. That looks very doubtful for week one. Um, Cole Komet, I don't know. We, we just don't know. Uh, and, and, and Darnell Wright, um, I'm kind of in between. Uh, it doesn't look imminent return. Who knows? Uh, but uh, so there's some concern, but I think I think the thing that makes the numbers, which you're right. you know, you're pointing to, which really makes it kind of uh, look ominous. I don't think that's going to be end up being as bad as it looks uh, when they when they uh, when they kick off against the Packers on September 10th. The Bears have a preseason game Saturday at home against the Bills. Does this injury stuff inform the way you think they will play the game, Matt Eberflus? Uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, I think will tell us at least what he plans on doing with Justin Fields. 
I think that's a clincher for that the that the fields in the first team, at least offensive line, will not play. And I don't think just for them, it'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? As careful as they as they've been about, yeah. about injuries and uh, preseason, yeah. they're going to put a makeshift offensive line. Uh, in front of uh, their their franchise quarterback, that doesn't seem like uh, they were heading in that direction anyway. Even a full strength, they might not have played. Uh, they really, I think, I really feel like I know I've said it many times. I really feel like a, a huge emphasis this year, more than recent years, in practice, progressing through practice, especially for a formative team mm-hmm. like the Bears. Uh, so I don't think they will. I think uh, they could play some. I think it'd be token. Although, do you really need tokens token at this point? Snaps. I don't yeah, at think this you point. do. I think. I think, that, like I said, preseason kind of dying. So, yeah. so I'm not expecting a whole lot. Uh, if some play, that I guess, I guess that's fine. But I just don't think there's a whole lot to get out of it. That's my point. Mm-hmm. Um, is I used to be say, yeah, play more, play more, play more. But I don't think you can get a whole lot out of because of what the other teams are doing. Yep. Just, it's just not. It's just not the sharpening tool that it used to be. Right. And I just don't think it's it's uh, it's it's effective. And we're also in a world now too, where as opposed to even 30 years ago, players are. Uh, with trainers year round, come in in pretty good shape. It's yeah. not. There's not. Uh, it's, I think they're starting off sharper maybe than they did a generation ago too, or right. certainly two I, and, two I, and three generations ago. I agree with that, but also I think it's I bet you Mongo didn't show up at camp yeah, ready right. to play. Well, those, those stories <laughs> of those camp training camps are legendary practices. But anyway, I, I think it's also good. It'll be interesting to see if, and this again, I might be just buying something that isn't worth buying. But you know. Eberflus is big on practice, and he wants competitive practices, and maybe that's why guys are getting at least banged up enough to not be able to practice. So I think they feel like there's a benefit they get out of practice, like the old uh, uh, Tibbs practices with the Bulls. You know, yeah. They eventually had a cost, right. but, but they were so intense they developed a mental toughness in, in, the, in those teams that really made them tough to beat. And I think uh, Eberflus, more of an old-school guy, has that same philosophy, is that he'll, he'll, he will toughen them up, Callison was the Matt Nagy word, right? Yep. Sorry about that. Uh, by through practice, and I think that's maybe I think you could argue that that's why they have so many guys with little little injuries that they got to work through, and maybe it'll clear up, maybe it won't. But it'll be interesting to see because I think we're coming. And I know it's uh, I keep saying the same thing, but I really think we're at the point where they value practice more than they do the game. So, and the other thing is. Everybody's in the same boat now, right? Pretty much. I know the mm-hmm. Packers played some of their starters, but yeah. not a lot of defensive guys have, have, have started their first, have had starter snaps in the first two preseason games. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that might not be the disadvantage, especially without one of them being twelve. We will uh, we will check in from that game and and uh, be with you through cut day on Tuesday, and then the long march to the first game against the Packers. Until then, you can follow Jason Leisure, Mark Potash, and myself on social media. Check us out on the Sun-Times website. And if you live in town, please pick up a newspaper. He's Mark Potash. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.